0: The Short Game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame.
1: Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly rejoining the show. Thank you for my co-hosts covering things while I've been away. Uh, and uh, and I am joined this week by all three of my fantastic co-hosts. Nate Eininger. Lauren Ash. And Shane Kelly. And this week we are talking about a game that I didn't really ever think we'd cover on the show, uh, but here we are. Uh, it's one of my favorite games of all time. It is Castlevania Symphony of the Night.
2: I, I think that I kind of push this because like, I, I just love metroidvania games it's a topic that we try to cover on the show though most of them are rarely in the time uh frame that we're looking for but if you come in every once in a while and we've been we've been kind of discussing maybe throwing some more retro games into the schedule and i thought well this is a game that i've always wanted to play that i can like i've never played a single castlevania before and this game is brought up all the time in the like all time classics and uh at least I think for for most people this is a short game uh so it seems like a perfect confluence of of things to finally pick this game up and and give it a shot so i'm I'm really glad that uh you all were down to play it either again or for the first time alongside me and uh and give it a shot it's been a, a fun experience yeah i I know uh some of us have played this a little
1: before i or am I the only one? I know I've, I've played this game multiple, okay, only me. Okay. Uh, I, I've i played this game um, many times. Um, So I'm, I'm not, I've I'm not completed it many times. It's one of those games that I tend to sort of peter out on the latter portions. Um, But we'll talk a little bit about the structure here. I, I thought today we could focus a little bit on talking about this game
2: as a short game, which it only sort it of ain't. debatably is.
1: It is
0: not. It tricked me, well, Reagan.
2: Well, kind of. Hold on. I right. hit credits with six hours play time. And, exactly. my li- and the little thing on the save account says 85% complete, six hours and 17 minutes of play time, and I hit credits. So I know there's like, there I, I, I made a point of not, I wanted to play this game like I was playing it, you know, as, as OG as possible. I looked 0% up. I just played through it and beat it. Yeah. But I know there's a whole other thing that I'm going to learn about, I think, from you today, Reagan, about you can like do it multiple times or something like that. But at least for my newbie experience, I hit credits in six hours, so it felt like a perfect short game.
1: Yeah, I'm not holding anything back on spoilers. This is a over 25-year-old game. <laughs> um, there, this game has a kind of a, I would say, almost false ending, um, and Uh, If you look, if you look up this game on how long to beat uh, main story is listed as eight and a half hour main stories plus sides is 11 and a half hours completionists, 15 hours. I I think those numbers are a little bit misleading as a lot of them are on how long to beat. I think those that tends to be, you know, skewed by some real speedrunners or something. Um, People who track their times are often playing for time, but uh, this game has a complete game and then it has another complete game. Um, the, the structure of the game is, so uh, I'll talk about the second castle thing in just a second. I think it might be worth talking a little bit about like, what is Castlevania symphony of the night before we dive into that stuff. Um, everyone's familiar with that Castlevania symphony of the night, but not everybody has played it today. Uh, this is a game from 1997. Uh, it was, uh, directed by, um, well actually directed by, uh, Toru, uh, Hagihara. I'm not super familiar with him, but he was attached to the Castlevania series long before that. But this was uh, an assistant director was Koji Igarashi, who kind of took over as the main director partway through development and became sort of like the the mind behind the direction for the Castlevania series going forward after this. Um, in, in some ways, he sort of invented the genre we think of today as the the, the Metroidvania. And this game sort of invented so many conventions of the Metroidvania. When people think about a Metroidvania, I think personally, really, what they're thinking of is a Symphony of the Night. Like, um, you know, I, not to not to slight the Metroid series and uh, and uh, and like Super Metroid, but like this is where it all began, in my opinion. Um, and uh, Igarashi said that he was not so much inspired by Metroid. Um, he was really trying to take the Castlevania series, which had had a numer- number of entries before this, you know, the three of them on the NES and a couple of others on other platforms. There was one on the um, the PC engine. This is actually a direct sequel to, um, uh, I forget the name, uh, Rondo of Blood on the uh, TurboGrafx CD, uh, which is also great, but has this, the all the games up to this point had that traditional level by level approach where, you know, you play a level. Uh, you know, you're going into the castle. This is the level in the town outside beginning to end. You're in the castle courtyard. This is the beginning to end of that, you know, stage two. And they had a little bit of this sense of progression and place because, you know, sometimes you would see, okay, there's a castle in the background. I'm going to be there in the next level, but it was still a level by level approach. Um, and, uh, they also had this whole, uh, you know, uh, story to the Castlevania series of the, the Belmont clan who, you know, fought Dracula every hundred years, his castle would reemerge and the Belmont, you know, the, the most recent, uh, you know, uh, sire of the Belmont clan would take up the vampire killer whip and go and attack him. Right. And, and save the world from Dracula once again. And, um, they're great games. I really like them. I'm a, I'm particularly a big fan of Castlevania 3 on the NES. I really like Super Castlevania 4 on the SNES. They're great games. Um but uh but Castlevania Symphony of the Night was designed to be like a real reinvention. It had been several years since there had been a Castlevania game when this game came out in 1997. Um and uh, and Igarashi really wanted to bring in a bunch of ideas from RPGs and from the Zelda series. So a lot of the sort of, um, exploration lock and key, uh, you know, abilities to unlock things is at least according to Igarashi, much more inspired by, uh, like Zelda dungeons and things like that than they are by the Metroid series. Um, and also leans way into many complex systems, That you can choose to interact with depending on your playstyle, including tons and tons of different weapons that can Mm -hmm. interact with each other in interesting ways that you can equip um, a system where you can cast spells, you you level up uh, constantly throughout the game, increasing your HP and and magic points and whatnot. Um, And Igarashi's idea behind that was the Castlevania games are really, really hard. You look at something like Dragon Quest, where anybody that. The thinking of of the people at the time was anybody can play something like Dragon Quest because if you get to a part that's hard, go grind for a while, come back, and it's easy. And so his whole idea around this was to make the game more interesting from an exploration perspective and also more, uh, accessible for everyday gamers who might not have the sort of hardcore platforming skills that were demanded with some of the older Castlevanias and make it such that like, Hey, if I'm really bad at this level, I can just go grind in a different part of the castle for a day and come back here. And now I can, you know, one shot these, these, uh, these enemies. So it's, uh, it's a really important game historically. Uh, it's like, In some ways, I think it feels kind of like a game that was like sent backwards in time. This could come out today as an indie game. And you know, if like if like the developers of like Dead Cells dropped this game, I mean, obviously that's super inspired by this, but like they could drop this game today, and everyone would be like, "No, oh, great game." Um, it, it menus it are kind in- of annoying for a modern game, but <laughs> yeah, there are a number of ways that it's very nineteen ninety seven. <laughs> yes, but I think uh, overall it's it's a it's, it holds up incredibly well yeah. compared to other games from that from that what era. What do
0: you think it says that like you have that feeling about a game that came out the same year as the movie Titanic? Um, like how, how are we, are we making progress as a human race if <laughs> the video game, uh, Castlevania symphony of the night is still feeling like it could come out this year?
3: Well, I mean, if Titanic came out this year, Titanic would be a huge hit. Like, like, I think that's a, like, it's yeah, a funny comparison,
2: you know, good is good. And it can, it can, it can stand that really good stuff can stand the test of time, you know? Um, having never played any Castlevania at all, um, I did absolutely love this and I found it, uh, often incomprehensible because it doesn't give you any of the background of any of the story and you are just dropped into, uh, a hilariously, uh, voice acted, um, you know, set of cutscenes that are melodramatic and fantastic, but completely (laughs) like incomprehensible if you don't know anything about the Belmonts or who Alucard is or really any of it.
3: I mean, that stuff is some of my favorite things. and I'll (laughs) I'll, I'll confess, I'm going to be a little quiet on this because I didn't, this game still felt like homework to me. I felt like I was playing this to be like, I'm getting my game education, which is not, and I was, I tried to, I was really excited to play it. I just, um, this is not my favorite type of Metroid like a, a metroidvania this combat centric is not always my favorite yeah. anyway but like i loved all the silliness of the plot but um i don't know like the the uh i don't know what these things in the interface do cuz i've never played a castlevania before at times like really bit me in the ass to be frank and i was like oh cool like i I rode that save button in my emulator because i was uh dying a lot more than i should have like didn't pick up a shield like i just kept getting bitten by this game and i wanted to love it and i felt kind of bad that i didn't like i felt like i'm missing something it's like when you watch a movie that everyone says is fantastic and you're like that was fine like i feel like i missed out and i, I really wanted to love this i feel bad i did it <laughs> i get that i
1: have that feeling with a lot of retro games actually it's kind of an yeah. easy thing to fall into because sometimes these games are a bit of their time they have but no one
3: talking about this one has yeah. anything bad to say. So I really feel yeah. like I missed the ball on it because this is well, the one everyone's like, don't worry, the other ones, you're going to feel like this, but you're going to like Symphony of the Night. So I, I was, maybe I had, my hype was too high, maybe. And,
2: and I should say, I I absolutely loved it, but I also um, used save states, like over- aggressively, you know, mm-hmm. which is not a, like I, I really tried to play this As if I was playing it something like 1997, except for the fact that I was using save states because, you know, modern games have really addressed uh, that and this game doesn't you if you you can lose incredible amounts of progress if you're not frequently backtracking to save and so instead I was using save states and and. Laura, I was expecting to have your your perspective. Frankly, like you went in wanting to love it, I went in wanting to love it because everybody loves it. But I was expecting it to feel like homework, and I was honestly mm-hmm. surprised how much I actually did enjoy it, and it completely won me over. But there are a few things that were almost deal breakers for me, mostly just the knockback. Uh, it's like I, I learned yeah. from this. I learned from this game. We did a episode recently on mechanics we hate. And I don't think you would call knockback a mechanic, but I think if there was uh, this game, definitely After this
3: game, I would.
2: <laughs> yeah. It definitely sold for me that like, that might be my least favorite thing in video games is losing complete control of your character and being stun locked across an entire screen where you're yeah. just, nobody th- flies when you hit him like Alucard. It, he, he's
1: made out of like bones and bat dust and you like <laughs> kick him and he flies. There's
2: a guy named flea man flea man is bouncing me across the entire screen and then you go back a screen and it resets your the the whole screen you were just working through so like and and the amount of towers that you have to climb while there are horizontal things flying through the air uh that knock you back and fall all the way down the tower or whatever like that shit made me want to
0: uh want to scream but outside of that I, I I found this game incredible. Nate is up here quick saving on every step of the staircase. <laughs> yeah. What is a short game? A miserable little pile of quick saves. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, you know, maybe now would be a good time to talk about the story of the game. Uh, Given Shane's wonderful uh, quotation of of Dracula from the beginning,
0: <laughs> yes, that, that one of the best things about the game as a newcomer uh, was the voiceover. Yes, oh, yeah, 100%. definitely.
2: Even though it was all melodramatic and absurd, it was incredible. I was happy every time a cutscene came up.
1: <laughs> what I want to know – So I, I know probably not as much as like a true diehard knows about the Castlevania series timeline and whatnot and and the the overall – Like the, the place this fits into the plot. Um, what I want to know is like what did you guys get out of it? <laughs> and I know also I should say like we, we came to this a little bit earlier – none of us finished a hundred percent of castlevania symphony of the night for this episode Mm -hmm. i mentioned it briefly earlier the structure of this game there is kind of the first game which is dracula's castle explore the castle and then you get to and fight the final boss uh which shock isn't dracula in this case (gasps) and uh and then you can hit credits and hear the incredible song uh Kenny G style song stylings of uh, uh what is it I am the wind or whatever it's Something called like the, that yeah it's hilarious the, um and you get credits and you can think you're at the end of the game but if you uh if you find some particularly uh you know moderately well hidden clues you can discover uh the truth behind that and that there is an entire second inverted castle hovering above Dracula's castle a direct mirrored copy upside down of the original castle full of an entirely new set of monsters and bosses and story that continues for almost longer than the first castle
2: so it's crazy how hidden that is because um, and, and maybe I'm just stupid, which is <laughs> al- always a possibility. <laughs> the amount Never. of times that I've learned on episodes from you all about how, what's actually going on is countless at this point. But like, I really tried to scour this game. I, I was like, I, 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 I'm pretty sure that I covered the entire map, except for there are two locations that I did not get to, and I'm guessing those have. Some connection to unlocking this I'm not, other. I'm not opposed to spoiling stuff
1: on this episode. This yeah. is a, again a 25-year-old game. We're talking about it here today. Um, did you find the gold ring? I got the gold ring. Yes. And, and it did it's you find a- the silver ring. No. Okay. And so I think the I, silver one's harder to find. I forget which yeah. one is found where. Um, but they have some text on them that if you combine the two. Te- the, like the text in the description of the gold ring and the silver ring. I forget exactly. It said something like, you know, where in clock room or
2: something. like Yeah. That. It, it the, the gold one said something like clock where clock or something like that. And I did yeah. that. Um, and I figured out the, the using the clock sub weapon in that room also unlocks stuff. So I kind of thought like, maybe I had solved that already by solving the clock puzzle with the clock sub weapon. Mm-hmm. But I guess, So I, so that silver ring must be in one of the two areas that I didn't get to. Yeah. Um, Did you get the, um,
1: uh, echo of bat, the echolocation? Okay. Yeah. I I know that's required to find the silver ring. Okay. So it's, it's kind of complicated to get the silver ring. I don't remember exactly what you do to get it. Um,
2: there was a room with spikes on top and bottom and it's a tunnel that I could get all the way to the end of, and I couldn't open the door at the very end of it. And so And there was a room that was like super dark in the bottom right. And I think that's what the echo was for. But I ran out of time. We were recording today. And I wanted to like.
1: No, you had it. Yeah, that was it. You use the echo of the bat in that long tunnel full of spikes. And I think that lets you get the spike breaker boots. And then I think Mm. you use the spike breaker boots, which will let you walk through spikes to go someplace else and get the silver ring, if I remember correctly. Okay.
2: So um, that was, almost that was the it. last two places on the map that I didn't go to. And then I was like, well, we're about to record. I'm pretty sure the final boss is at the top of this tower. And it was, and I went up and beat it and got credits. I was like, oh, cool. Okay. I guess I beat yeah. the game. Well, um, I love, I kind of love that this game gives you that out. Like the first yeah. half of this game, the first
1: castle, if you, you know, if you want to treat this as a really short Metroidvania, it is a great short Metroidvania. I'm not you know it, it, sometimes things that have a kind of like a quote false ending or what have you like it can feel really incomplete this is it feels more like this is a complete ass yeah. castlevania game that also has this wonderful gift to you in terms in 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 the form of a much harder second half um that is uh like honestly way harder <laughs> it's
2: like it's I
0: think well it was that's almost sort of like a new game yeah. plus that is intriguing
2: um, because the only thing i found hard about this was climbing towers with uh insane knockback everything else felt relative and that's maybe where the modern like you know like a beat hollow night you know so it's like this doesn't feel nearly as complicated or challenging as something like hollow night Right, I think so, an element yeah,
0: that that kind of led to this is in this era of video games, um, some games would just really be designed with a lot of replayability in mind. Uh, they wanted to take games and make them something that people would uh, spend a ton of time with. and And one of the things I I read when I was researching about this game was uh, that the designer like pivoted a little bit of the design. Uh, based on the fact that he was walking around and one day saw a bunch of old Castlevania games in bargain bins, and hmm. realized that um, you know he wanted to make a game that people would want to replay multiple times, uh, so that they wouldn't sell it <laughs> and that the, <laughs> yeah. the bottom wouldn't fall out of the Castlevania market. Hmm. Um, so that was part of the design, like thought at the time. It's it's different to think about now, but games were really designed in this environment where. Uh, the game creators were in competition with uh, resellers and with uh, rental shops and things like that. Um, so that led, I think, at this time, to this kind of exploration of ways that they could make take games that had historically been very linear and push them in new ways to be um, open ended and and give people a lot of different possible paths and you know that this was the golden age of the like unlockable second playthrough with a different character and things like mm-hmm. that so this game really typifies that yeah
1: and interestingly it's like
0: prior to this era
1: like the way that you made games like you know not r- rental proof was you would just make them really hard especially like you'd make like level 3 or something like really freaking yeah. hard um, but this, you know, it, it, it just expands by having, so it, 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 it wants, it draws you into doing multiple playthroughs by having so many hidden secrets, so many different varieties of weapons that you can collect. You know, if you really become a diehard about this game, you could spend a year playing it, collecting every possible weapon and every possible, you know, um, it, it's, it's, it's quite expansive. Yeah. Um, that that's why I didn't really ever think we were ever going to cover this on the short game because you know, my thinking about this game has having played it now uh, several times um, is like, well, this is actually a really long game. Um, <laughs> but you know, I kind of reframed it partly because I looked at that, how long to beat? And I was like, Oh, that's like how long? And then thinking about it, well, like actually, you know, I, I've heard some people say like, yeah, I, I, I got that first credits at the end of, of the original castle. And uh, you know,
2: I was done with my experience. I was like, Oh, that is a really good short game right there i mean i i can echo exactly that feeling like obviously the the a sec a full second castle that's more difficult is very intriguing to me as a as a player but as an experience especially for this podcast like i said it was six hours for me um Mm -hmm. and i like man i really tried to scour like every corner of this map and like i was looking in every you know just looking in every area looking at it's the type of map where you can see the little dash where it's like, Oh, there was a door there. I didn't go through it. Let me, you have to spend a lot of time backtracking. Um, and like, I really had felt like it was a complete experience. I'm glad to know there's more cause I enjoyed it so much. I'll, I'll, I'll play more, but like, I think I could have, I could put it away now and feel like sit like symphony of the night is, um, I don't know
1: where I put you're it in. Love, my you're gonna love games. what it does with the like completion percentage, Nate, because it's like it ticks over from hundred percent completion to like 101% completion. Oh no, nice. <laughs> okay. I think there's like
2: I think there's like a total of 209% completion in this game or something like that. That's hilarious. Cause I yeah, I'm at like 85.7% or something. I was like, well, I guess it's those last two spaces that unlock the the last 15%. Uh yeah. I guess or an entire other 115%. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um. So, what I was going to ask a moment ago, uh, and then we ended up on this uh, relative tangent, was about the story. Given that you guys aren't seeped in Castlevania lore, um, what did you make of the story? what What do you think is going on here? <laughs>
3: I didn't care. I was having too much fun with the weird philosophical musings. Have everyone been like, what is a man? Or like yeah. all of the weird stuff. I was just like, I don't. I don't know, man. I, I was like, I don't care, but I'm delighted. Like, I, I loved all the nonsense. I, yeah. I, I was living for when I went to a room and uh, Maria would be like, oh, hey, Alucard. I'll see you later. Like, yeah, why w- didn't you talk to is, me if you were going to do why anything? Is she,
2: why <laughs> is she around here? She seems to have no impact on anything other than just be like. See you later, uh, so Alucard la is Dracula's son, which I got that from last yeah. because his name is Dracula backwards. Mm. oh my God, I'm so stupid <laughs> <It's Dracula>. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've known that name forever, and I never caught- i god I hate this show um just uh, uh,
3: a record of every time you're wrong about something that's what this podcast is,
2: yeah, um. I don't know why I talk. Uh, So Alucard is Dracula's son. So I assume in you, in the way it ends, I'm trying to, or Alucard is trying to bring about the, the, the resurrection of Dracula or get rid of him because he's trying to destroy the castle. I don't know. You're trying to kill, you're trying to destroy the castle. And I guess you do at the end. I'll give the best version I can. And again,
1: like <laughs> I'm not, not a, I'm not a, a Castlevania lore expert. Um, so this is the sequel. It's a direct sequel. It picks up literally right at the end of the previous game, um, which uh, was never came out in America. So although you can play it in like ROM hacks and stuff now. Um, uh, or actually, there's been a PS4 release that includes it. Um, there. Uh, so the previous game was. You know, the Richter Belmont enters the castle. It's the standard Castlevania setup. Uh, Richter Belmont goes to the castle, um, explores it, kills Dracula, the end. Um, And there's the Castlevania lore is that the castle only shows up every 100 years. Um, So they expect there's going to be a while. Mm -hmm. Um, But suddenly the castle reappears too early and uh, hasn't been 100 years yet. And um, uh, no one knows why it's there or what's going on and uh Alucard who is Dracula's son or he's a dhampir he's half vampire his mother was a, a was a human woman um uh, goes into the castle to try to uh, find out why it has reappeared early and to stop or kill his father mm. um i actually don't remember a whole lot of the specifics about why Alucard has turned against Dracula um Alucard was a character, sort of like an assist character in Castlevania 3, but that game's plot is kind of hard to decipher.
0: Can you imagine having a son and then just naming him your own name backwards? (laughs) Eton. (laughs) Man,
1: I I should have done that now that I'm thinking about it.
2: Nagyar. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Um, So I'm not sure what else to say about the story other than that, like, you know, the, the, the sort of obvious thing is Richter Belmont is the final boss. Of the first castle, um, so the what it seems is that Richter got uh, you know corrupted by the castle in some way, and he brought the castle back in order to kind of he wants to resurrect Dracula in order to continue the cycle and uh, and you know continue killing dracula or whatever but if you get the two rings you stand in the clock room you get the um you get a, an extra cut scene with maria where she gives you some holy glasses that let you see you know see through mm. evil magic and you go and do that fight again um and you get a different version where you see that richter has been uh being sort of puppeted by shaft which is one of uh dracula's henchmen Yo, damn right from the previous game yes <laughs> on Shaft and um and that reveals the presence of the second castle and you can go on and kill Dracula in the second castle, mm. um, cause he is there. Um, so the specifics of the story are kind of convoluted. It actually is kind of interesting. If you read into it, there've been some interesting adaptations. There's a, there's like a Netflix anime show of Castlevania that I haven't watched a whole lot of, but is pretty decent. Um, that goes into some of that stuff, but yeah, it, the Castlevania series, like it has lore for you there if you want it. Um. And it does have a timeline, like some of the later games, like they follow that hundred year formula, man. There's like some of the, the DS games take place. There's one that takes place in like 2035 or something like that. So like there's, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty neat.
2: I'm curious. I think my absolute favorite part of this game was the enemy design. Yes. Yes. Very strong. Um, Like. There are so many incredible designs and names Agreed. and everything in this game. Uh, and and animations. Like yes. the, this was the this is the dawn of I mean not the dawn. It was like
1: not exactly a super early PlayStation game, but like you compare this to something that would have come out on, you know, SNES or something, mm-hmm. like obviously compare it against like Castlevania, um, super Castlevania four. And like the amount of art is yes. off the charts.
0: So I was constantly much constantly surprised. Yeah, Pixel. It's cool. It's ironic. The game caught a little flack when it was released because in the PlayStation one era, this was trying intentionally to be retro aesthetically to match the older Castlevania games from the like eight and 16 bit era.
3: So, except in the cutscenes where they have the wild 3D PlayStation look, and yes. then that was not part of the game well, at all.
2: The weather, I I love every you know, when you're at like the top of the castle and whatnot, and you get a glimpse of what's going on outside. It's just like batshit insane 3D <laughs> clouds that are moving at like hundreds of miles per hour, just completely insane. But sorry, go on, chain
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's that's the that's the aesthetic. Is that the um. The enemies and the sprites on screen have this slightly lo-fi look that is a wild contrast against these highly detailed uh, animated backgrounds. Um, I was struck by Reagan pointed this out to me when we were I, I was I was playing it. Um, there are rooms that you go through that kind of seem needlessly ornate, and um, they're just little hallways. And Reagan pointed out, oh, the the reason for this room is shown right at the top of it. There's a picture of a CD and it's because the game and the letters CD. Yeah. (laughs) And it was the room was there so that the game uh, disc could spin around to load CD audio for the next chunk of the soundtrack um so
3: i i made the joke i said oh is this because this is on cd and then justin said i think that stands for count dracula you dummy so now i feel vindicated Ah, (laughs) i'm like no my joke was correct
0: your joke was not a joke at all
1: it was literal um (laughs) that you know it honestly it's so funny it never occurred to me
2: that that might stand for count dracula Ah, it's a picture of a cd Yeah, it does have a picture of a CD. I'm not the only stupid one here.
3: Uh, look, I mean, uh, CDs are also circles, so yeah, true.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, are, I mean, the, the game also, has I mean, so an amazing, amazing soundtrack.
1: Oh, sorry, yeah. not not the time. We we could save. We could talk about the soundtrack. We got to
2: talk about it, but like, I, keep, I There's still so much about the design that I want to yes. talk about. Um, yeah, the I, I love that the castle design is incredible. I love that Very there, good are rooms, there are rooms. There are rooms that are just clearly just like this a ca- this castle would have this room it's not even necessarily about enemy placement or something like that it's just like yeah there's there's a confessional here and or or like this is a bedroom or whatever it might be uh i i, I really loved that but i have to call out what i think was my favorite enemy design um because it also i think speaks to a little bit of the of the humor of this game is the the two skeletons Holding up a platform with the big uh, skeleton head on it (laughs) that they march back and forth and the thing takes so long to charge up a shot that it like it was never a enemy that damaged me once. But I loved the idea of these skeletons like. We've got an idea. We want to carry around this flame-throwing skull head. Let's get let's get a little, you know, platform <laughs> and we'll carry it around. And if you kill one of the skeletons that's holding it up, it falls forward while the other one tries to keep lifting it, or if you kill the thing that they're they're carrying, they drop the platform and just run away from you trying to get away. It's so funny and it's such a bad enemy design, but it's such a good like uh game design if that makes sense
1: like i I love that too those are such a great one because that that um that flame spewing head you see those elsewhere in little columns that's like a classic castlevania enemy these like columns of flame shooting skulls yeah um that's in all of the castlevania games and it's a funny like um you know uh, inversion of that where the skeletons are trying to like carry it around carry it around It's not a a very scary, super ineffective. (laughs) Uh, It's so funny. Uh, There's a lot of little stuff like that, though. Like a lot of the different enemies have these these really in-depth animations for little special case scenarios. Uh, One that I remember is uh, the owl knight that you fight in Mm -hmm. the Coliseum area. Um, And he's like a knight in big armor. um, And instead of like the axe knight guy who throws axes at you, he has like an evil owl that comes and attacks you and the if you kill the owl first then the act then the knight stops attacking you and goes and like looks at the the owl on the ground like he's really sad you killed it and then yeah. if you don't kill him immediately then he comes and tries to kill you so he like goes and mourns his owl
2: first yeah i love that kind of shit i, I like, love the the um the there's like the polearm guys that like unexpectedly they can like stab up through the staircase or down below they can get you in areas that Mm -hmm. you weren't expecting and a lot of these things have really awesome and fun death animations too like yes uh, there's something called i think the blade or maybe just blade it's like a fighter with with two swords and when you kill it with it's like dying action it falls to one knee and throws its sword at you or you know things like that or like one of the bosses catches on fire takes multiple steps before falling to its knees, turning into a skeleton falling on its face and dissolving like tons of work. were gone into just these little animations that like, they it really stood out to me. I was like this is better than a lot of games that we play today. The, totally. This attention and
1: machine. this was yeah. still in an area where era when like creating that pixel art would have been pretty pretty painstaking. You mm-hmm. know, you'd create that like in something like Deluxe Paint on an Amiga or something. Like not talking about like like today where you'd sketch this stuff out in you know with a graphics tablet in Photoshop and then I don't know pixelize it or whatever. I don't know what people do these days. But like we're talking like still pretty rooted in the in the tools and processes of the like the you know the 80s and 90s and yet they created this absolute ton of art for this game it's astonishing
0: speaking of the art of the game this game introduced an artist who is kind of synonymous with castlevania throughout like all the history since then um who has just this incredibly distinctive art style all of the character portrait art is by an artist named ayami kojima mm. and uh this portrait art is so unique and distinctive like the, she draws the prettiest boys the prettiest evilest looking little palest most sinister boys and their hair is so good
3: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yes and i mean the the, the um There's not a ton of in-game like full-size portrait, at least, you know, I I guess at the start that I got to, you get, you get like Richter and little portraits for different characters as they're speaking and stuff. Uh, But in a lot of the like supporting artwork, um, I feel like this has to have been influenced by and just super influential on um, horror manga ever since.
3: And this Um, is her first video game yeah this i think the first think work so. in the yeah. video game industry was this game for her yeah and
0: all of her credits are are castlevania um she did a few years ago um one of the reasons that i i spotted the name is did a um an alternate art for a magic card of the <laughs> classic <Good working. laughs> um of the the classic vampire Soren, uh who's the you know the uh vampire planeswalker, a big element of uh, magic story. Uh, look this card up if you want to see just a really fantastic uh, piece of her art, just uniquely hers. You can instantly spot that this is uh, her style. I love it. And yeah, if you if you have the
1: chance, like look through the the manual that comes with this game or or, you know, that there's a um, if you, you know, just Google it. You can find a PDF of the um, of the like original strategy guide that was sold in the era. Anything like that, like all the materials that surround this game, are incredible. And it's interesting because it is one of the other ways that this game departed from the previous games in the series. Because the Castlevania games really started as rooted in American monster movies. Um, like the first Castlevania game, you know, there's, you know, you fight Frankenstein, like, you know, there's a wolf man in it. Like it's, it's very, um, and it has elements where it's, like there's little like film strips on the, uh, on the title screen. It's like, it really is kind of hammering home. Like you're playing a monster movie, uh, go fight Dracula in his castle. Right. But um, this really because it has the um the you know vampire uh protagonist it it you know they they took it in a much more anime direction um which i think was a good change obviously she's you know an incredible artist it's it looks awesome
2: I wish that manual. Would have been available in the game.
3: (laughs) Maybe I should have. Maybe I should just read the manual and then like start the game over.
2: (laughs) If we're going to do more retro games, maybe we need to have a habit. Laura, you and I, we can get together and read the manual together before we dive into these things.
3: Yeah, I think maybe if I did some reading on mechanics and like was prepared for some of the weirder things like the knockback, I think I might. I think. For me, it was like, oh, delightful animated table. Oh, this annoying thing is happening because I I have to use my inventory and that's really clunky. So I think I just wasn't. um, Other times I have approached a retro game, I've been primed on the flaws beforehand. But the conversation about this one is so glowing that it's like trying to find a review of the problems you'll encounter while playing Super Mario 1. Like you're not going to hear mm-hmm. about it. Like there's mm-hmm. like no one's talking about anything weird about this game whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So everything I had to like figure out myself, including, you know, the things I didn't find out, like where is the map? How how do I turn on the map? Um what does what are these hearts I keep collecting do? Like things yeah. like that that are not
2: I had a I had a really. They're funny not hard.
3: One. It's just I didn't know what those did, so I didn't yeah. try.
2: I had a really funny one. There's an item called an Enchanted Library Card, hmm. and I got one, and it was like, well, that seems interesting. Maybe that's going to like open a door for me or something like that. So I held on to it forever, and then one of the very last things I did before um, going to complete the game is I went back to the library where the the random shopkeep in the middle of the castle is uh, who uh, sidebar will sell you videos of how to beat bad guys, which I thought was a hilarious, <laughs> uh, really, really funny pre-internet sort of thing. Um, but uh, when I, I was looking through his wares, buying like the diamond chest plate and stuff like that, and uh, sold a uh, enchanted library card of which I had one other one. So I was like, well, I'm going to go and figure out what this does. So I, Uh, walked out the door of the library equipped it used it and it teleported me roughly three inches to the left of where i was standing already (laughs) so i guess it teleports you to the library it does yeah (laughs) so it was a full load screen to get me i was standing at almost exactly where it teleported me to. that is so Mm -hmm. funny yeah (laughs) it's like well i guess i should have looked that up or just tried it um but you know it's like I ended this game with so many items in my inventory that I have zero idea of what they do. Except for, I I knew that Vampire Survivors was deeply inspired by um, Castlevania. Like, it's all part of the whole thing. But I had no idea to the degree. I've played a ton of Vampire Survivors. And basically every item in Vampire Survivors is seemingly from this game. So Mm -hmm. I knew a lot of the language of the items from vampire survivors, which is like, I think the inverse of what, you know, probably most people's experience with that game is.
1: What I'd like to know is if anybody had any favorite items or weapons that you came across, I will say that this was the first time I made uh, by the way, all of that stuff, like having no, no idea what the library card does, whatever. Um, everybody has a different way to play this game. My personal perspective is, um, you know, it's not 1997 anymore. If you get an item and you don't know what it is, I think it's fine to look it up. Sure. Um, yeah. there's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, uh it, it, some stuff it's, some stuff is just like dumb, you know, like there's a lot of different food items. All of them do pretty basic stuff, you mm-hmm. know, like they give you a small amount of health, things like that. But then there's also like weapons that you might get that, might seem kind of interesting, but don't do all that much damage. And sometimes it's because they have a special ability attached to them. And if you don't know that that's there, you can miss out on some cool utility. So like I um, made a lot of use this time of a couple of different rods that I hadn't made a whole lot of use of before. Um, The the shield rod, which says in the description, like works well with a shield. And I looked it up this time because I guess I'd never done that before. And I realized, oh, like if you have the shield rod equipped with a shield depending on what shield you equip then it gives you a different uh ability you can do with i forget what the button combo is but uh, like kind of like the spells where you can do a kind of a button combo and it does something so like i equip it with a like the knight shield for example and then do a little twiddle on the d-pad i forget exactly what it was and it activates something that like uh, it's like a spell that enhances your attack
2: for quite a while. Um, things like that. Right, I used the shield rod also a ton because it had it was one of the highest attack power weapons I had, especially if you had a shield it like improved that I think or something. And every once in a while something would happen and I'd be like, "What did I just do? Why why did I just glow or something?" And I had no idea what it was. So Uh, I I personally chose to play this game without looking anything up, but I don't necessarily recommend it because I don't think I was very optimal (laughs) through most of it, but I used the shield rod. That was probably my my most long used weapon. I did end up beating the game with the uh, jeweled... um,
3: The knuckle thing?
2: The jeweled knuckles. Yeah. Yeah, which was the most powerful weapon that I ended up finding. It had the highest attack damage, so I just kind of loved the idea of like... You can get all these swords. You can get all these shields. You can get all these different things. But at the so end you of the just day, just put some I brass was, knuckles was, and playing, and you're yeah, like punching the hell. I was strongest when I just walk around and punch people, and yeah. uh, it got me through. It, it took me a while to realize what wolf form was best for. Um, mm. I got that first. I, I assume that's probably most people. And I kept expecting there to be, like, a wolf-sized hole or something for me to go through. Uh, and it's like, sure. Because I'm like, I know that you get it pretty early. And I'm like, it's it's Metroidvanias, you know? It's, like, the root of it. So there must be... A wolf. You get thing. chicken
3: mode, so you can go through <laughs> tiny holes.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've played Guacamelee. No. I don't know, man. I, you don't think that that
1: skinny vampire can crawl through a wolf-sized hole? Well, I, you <laughs> know, I don't know, I, Reagan. I'm stupid. You I must. mean, no, the cape no, would get remember. stuck.
3: Reagan, come yeah, on. You're
2: right. You're uh, right. And, me. But once I realized way later in the game that it's like for going fast, like oh, this is nice, especially mm. when you get um, there's like power of wolf or something that uh you could just like run through everybody it made some of the backtracking and whatnot i don't think i got that this playthrough i forgot about that there's there were two different wolf power-ups that i found that basically made you go faster and also just like wreck shop running through stuff and um it made it a lot more effective and a lot more fun like by the end of the game when i was really just trying to clear everything i was just flying i was turning into a bat and just flying over everybody the whole time uh, but once I really figured out the wolf, he could run through everything and like, and kill a lot of stuff doing that. That was pretty
1: fun. I, um, I think it's pretty interesting that you get like so many incredible power ups before you hit the second castle. Things like, like, did you end up getting, um, the moving mist? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like moving mist, like you, you have a pretty tight timeline on it because of the, like it uses up your MP or whatever it is. Um, but, uh, you can just like float your way through or past literally anything. And you'd kind of think that would break a, uh, like you, you kind of think that would completely break a Metroidvania because it kind of, you know, if you can float through grates, you can float up to places you could never reach otherwise, like it, but it doesn't break anything. The inverted castle is still layout wise designed as a mirror of the lower castle. And that means there's a lot of places that are like not really set up for jumping properly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you kind of need to be able to like float up or fly up um, in a lot of places in the second castle. So it's kind of, kind of wild. You have to, you have to get these like kind of OP weird traversal power ups like the mist and the bat and the, and the wolf in order to really be able to address the second castle at
2: all. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy to, from a level design standpoint to be able to design an entire world and then just be able to flip it in that game and it still work although i guess the the flying you just have full three like full access to any direction so i guess that is probably how they got around that to some mm-hmm. degree
1: i have to say like you know it, In hindsight, like I think that the the second castle is a really clever hack, a really cool way to extend the game and to reuse all the incredible level art that they did a second time in a way that doesn't just feel like, well, here's another identical castle. It's, you know, it's, it's the reverse. It's cool. But also it's, it's, it's not quite as good as the first castle in terms of layout because, you know, it's upside down. Everything is slightly off. Like jump heights are weird. Like lots of stuff is just sort of not quite the way you would expect it to be. Uh, it doesn't feel like it has quite as much flow. Um, so it's, you know, in terms of like problems with the game, like I co-sign all the ones that Laura said, things like the knockback is pretty ridiculous in these, this day and age, although you get used to it. Um, the menus are inexcusable. I hate the knockback.
3: The the first time that I was in a fight and I like picked up a turkey and then it just like landed on the floor and I died. I was like, what is going on with this inventory system? But, uh.
1: Yeah, being able to, like, you know, it, it, the uh, the Saturn version has a, quote-unquote, third hand where you can equip food items and other stuff. So nice. you don't have
2: to unequip that a sword. In order yeah, to you know. to pull your have your nice. away, to put a piece of cheese in that thing, get out of it, and you throw it on the ground, pick it up. Uh, I found a hot dog, which was funny. I also, if you died
3: during part. the um, animation for the health to take effect... Like, you yep. won't get the points until the animation's done.
0: That, yeah, potions take a little bit, but, yeah. um, you know. Yeah. I didn't actually find this, but one of the items of food that I read about is a peanut that gives you almost no health. Oh. And in order to eat it, you have to uh, use it and throw it into the air and catch it in your mouth.
3: Oh, my gosh. Um,
0: <laughs> so this little two-pixel peanut flies up in the air, and you have to catch it by maneuvering mm. under it properly. That's awesome. There are a lot of weird. I love
1: this game, man. I love this game. There's
2: so much crap like that in this. Uh, I forgot to I I talked about the skeletons holding up their buddy on a table, but um I love the bad guy that is the front half of a horse and someone riding on it, and it's moving really fast, running back and forth, and its spine is just dangling out the back of the where you know, where Mm. the other half of the horse used to be. Like super strange and bizarre. And I loved it. Well, I think there's still a little bit for us to talk about, but we're about to lose Shane.
1: Shane's got, an, uh, got a hard out. So Shane, thank you, uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see you on the next one. See you later. Bye. See you, podcast crew. One last thing I really wanted to talk about were the bosses in this game. Mm-hmm. I think this game has some uh, really great bosses. I, I think sometimes going back to... I was comparing this to Super Metroid, which is a game that I love, but that frankly, I think the boss design is pretty bad. Um, I know maybe that's controversial, but I think it's pretty bad. But um, this game, I think the bosses are great. And there were some real standouts. Did anybody uh, have any particularly memorable bosses?
2: Uh, yeah, though, I, I forget its name. All of the names are, are great, but like immediately forgettable for me. Um, the one that is a giant orb that is just dumping hundreds or thousands of dead bodies on you. Um, And then like some of them are dead bodies, some of them are zombies that get up and attack you and you just have to fight through hordes of zombies before in order to get close enough to deal damage to it. And it's just screaming the entire time. Uh, That was pretty incredible. I was it was a hard one,
3: The big big ball of bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently that's called a grand falloon.
2: <laughs> grand falloon, yeah. Okay.
3: I, I love the TV show Hannibal and there is an episode with a serial killer who kills people and to make a mandala in the bottom of a grain silo so that you have to go up the top and look down.
2: Yeah. And what he
3: sees episode. when he looks down from the top of the grain silo looks like that character.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. You're right. That thing I did in other Castlevania that. games as well. In other games, it's called Legion, which I think is a, you know. Maybe the, arguably better name. It's got that sort of The grand biblical... Falloon.
3: Yeah, it's a little no, bit no, no, more no. serious. Grand I like Falloon. Grand is Falloon. grand Falloon's great
1: because it's a it's a slaughterhouse. Fa- no, it's, not, no. Um, it's a it's a it's um, a cat's cradle reference. It's a Kurt Vonnegut yeah. reference. Ah. If you remember the the um, the like Bokanonism religion in uh, in that the, they have the idea of uh, of people belonging to a Karas or a grand faloon. The Karas is the ah. the group of people drawn together by fate to accomplish some important fated task.
3: I've but not you, read that since high school, so I, I I don't know if it counts that I've read it anymore because so much <laughs> of it has like been smeared off my forehead. I
1: memory. I um hmm. I instantly flash back to high school. I think I also haven't read it since high school. Um, but the grand faloon in that in the Bokanonism religion in in that is uh, the idea that people are also drawn together by false caresses, by you know, people drawn together for arbitrary or meaningless reasons. Um, like for example, like, you know, your caress might be people who come together to accomplish some important thing, but you know, you you might find yourself distracted by being grouped together with people like, you know, graduates of Indiana university or something like that. Like that, you know, you might fi- feel you had found your community, but actually you're being distracted from your true community. And, mm. um, And this idea of like this giant ball of people is just like people drawn together for meaningless reasons.
2: I like that about it. And then they're just going to dump on you Mm -hmm. screaming the whole time. It made me think a little bit of, um, nope as well, which I think you guys have, have seen that.
1: It's a, it highlights how like this has a really weird localization and it's one of the things that's sort of controversial about it. I think that this thing's 1997 localization is phenomenal. It's, um, It's, it's not a really true straight translation of the original Japanese. Um, there have been versions of this game that like the, the PS4 version, um, does away with that and does a new translation and new voice recordings. And I think it's lesser for it. Like the, the, um, the game it gains a lot from its like weird voice acting mm-hmm. and just sort of the like weirdness of th- of the the way that it's written. Um, I don't it, think it, I don't think it gains a lot much else from
2: yeah you know fr- from a more straight- up translation. If it meant to be funny, then well done. If huh? it didn't mean to be funny, then that's even funnier. and mm-hmm. I'd say even more well done. I yeah, I think, I was you know, I think it's worth preserving that
1: 1997 version. Yeah. I, I think you know there's probably a place for the um the more modern translation of it, but I don't care. I like this version.
2: Yeah. Um. We we mentioned briefly, but put it to the side for a second. But I think now we have to talk about the music, which is uh, also incredible.
3: I had listened to it a lot before I played the game and I Mm. hadn't even like comprehended how much of it until I was playing. And I was like, no, no, this is like a track. This is a go to jam. And I didn't realize it.
2: And there's a lot, there's a lot of music, a lot of different stuff. And it really, it really stands out. Um, I I loved it. I I saw a band called Bit Brigade. They play here in St. Louis pretty regularly. They're one. I, I think there's a couple different acts doing this, but they, um, they basically they have someone speed run a game mm. on stage while they do metal covers of the music that's happening in the game. And I saw them do it for not this Castlevania, but a different one, where someone was able to beat it in like 45 minutes and they just shred, you know, speed metal covers of Castlevania music the entire time. And it's, it was amazing. And it has always made me really like Castlevania music in theory but having never played one i never really knew how it felt in the game if that makes sense and so now having played this one there would be times where i just like stop you know in a in a stage area just to like let the track play for a little bit because i wanted Mm. to, to hear it more
1: yeah it is an incredible soundtrack um this was in the era when you could take your CD out of your game console for many games. I don't actually know if this is true for this one. A lot of games had Redbook audio. And so you could take the CD out and just like play it. Yeah, I remember that. As long as you didn't play the the data track, which would sound like, you know, uh, ghosts haunting your CD player (laughs) and would probably break your speakers. Um, But man, like it's such, there's, there's so much music in this. It's like, I'm just looking up the, uh, the soundtrack and there the track listing has 34 songs, um, which is a ton for a game in this era. And yeah, I never got tired of the music. It's all really, really good. It's all uh, composed by Michiru Yamane. Um, And I don't know much about her, but I know she's a like pretty famous, uh, you know, video game uh, soundtrack. She looks like she started with bloodlines. She did symphony of the night. She did a bunch of other Castlevania games as well as a bunch of other games listed here, including oh, the suit the End game, or not all of them, Suite End three through five. Man, tons. Um, so yeah, she's amazing, and this soundtrack
2: is fantastic. Yeah, it shreds. There's so much good electric guitar just wailing the entire time. A lot of piano rolls, which are always great. It it's it's incredible. So before we wrap up, a quick corner on how to play this game, which is
1: a surprisingly more difficult question than you would think it's both easier
3: and harder yeah
1: Yeah. there's a lot of choices to make about how you decide to play this game um so i played it on my steam deck emulated uh the original playstation version um yeah and laura what did you play
3: i play it on duck station Mm -hmm. which is an Um, emulator on my computer using a controller an xbox controller but
1: you know same thing, Yeah, but that's fine. So it's a, it's an original PlayStation game. You can emulate those on anything. That's probably the default way to play this game. Surprisingly, because Konami has never, hasn't really released this game on the number of consoles and platforms that you would expect. There are a few modern releases of this that you could choose from. If you decide to, there's a PlayStation four version. That's part of a, uh, a pack with, um, the Requiem version, but that's the version with the new translation. Um, it's kind of a port of a port. It's actually like a port of the PSP version. So I'm not hundred percent sure I would recommend that version, although I haven't played it. It's probably fine. It's probably serviceable, but it really st- seems weird to me that Konami doesn't have like an, a, you can't just go download this on steam. You can't download this on switch. There's no, um, you know, there's, there's, there's no, uh, Xbox. Wait, sec, that's actually not true. There's technically an Xbox 360 arcade release of this of for the 360 that is still forwards compatible. So you can play this on an Xbox if you want. Um, but you have to go through whatever process is required to download the Xbox arcade, Xbox live arcade version. That version has some weird compromises as well. Although from what I hear, it's a pretty good port. It just loses all of the, um, the fmv but you're not losing much um and i think also it loses the stunning end credits song i am the wind um <laughs> i don't Can think we end the, the episode either. with that song <laughs> uh, you know what i'll do my best that song man um you know more more modern uh, releases of this almost all exclude i am the wind that that's a very 1997 yeah. thing included there but yeah this is a um This is a game that honestly is still kind of easiest to play in emulation, which is super weird considering what a modern game it is.
3: I've heard such good things about the port on mobile, um, especially the controller support. Mobile support is supposed to be fantastic. Um, They they do have on-screen controls, but they have also um, controller support. I just wanted to use the cheater button. So I pl- started off and I was like, I need to save this game. Like I need to be able to save this game yeah. at will. And, and that was what drove me to emulation because I, it, I think it made a difference in my quality of life, but I will say the people who like it, I, I didn't lose anything playing on the mobile version, uh, except the save states, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I needed. Your mileage may vary.
2: Yeah. Save states were very helpful.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah, you know I it, it hadn't occurred to me that I, I I didn't even think about the mobile port of this. But yeah, it's out there. You can download it for $3 on the iPhone and It's on uh,
3: Android and, too, yeah.
1: Yeah, and presumably you can use a controller with it. You and can. So that's probably a pretty good option if that happens to be a way that you like to play games. But I'd, I'd say personally my recommendation is go ahead and emulate it on whatever device you have that you like emulating games on the most because, you know, it'll run on a potato and the PlayStation version, I think, is still sort of the canonical version.
2: Well, of course, Reagan, we mean first go buy a physical copy of the game and then emulate it so that, you know, because it is illegal, Reagan. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I am on the record as saying is that I bought the mobile version and then <laughs> ditched it and went to the So I don't know if that counts, but I um, they absol- have been scouring, uh, scouring.
2: babbages for, uh, or uh Funko land or whatever, all the, the, the nineties resale shops. I've been, I've been scouring those looking for a copy of this. So I'm, so I'm not breaking the law.
3: Yeah. And, uh, if you Google, why is this on, not on Switch? The answer is Nintendo. So don't yeah. even bother. There's just going to be a million articles wanting your clickbait uh, clicks. Um, the yeah. answer is it's a Nintendo. It's This is made for Sony. It's a Nintendo. Not, like yep. that's the answer.
1: I don't know if I buy that. I think it's really just Konami has never decided to port it elsewhere because like Konami owns the rights. It's not something there's, there's no like this isn't tied up in Sony rights or anything. This is just a Konami game. Well, other Castlevania
3: games have come over, but not this one. So it's just like, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: Another little thing I'd mention is that this started a period where we got a absolute ton of Castlevania games for a while. And then that just sort of dried up. They used to make Castlevania games. We used to get a new Castlevania game, many of them directed by Koji Igarashi. Uh, Like one a year for like a decade. we We didn't know how good we had it. And like some of those games are phenomenal. I've played a bunch of them and I really, really like them. So if you like Symphony of the Night, don't sleep on the DS Castlevania games, especially Aria of Sorrow, which is basically like, uh, you know, a DS version of Symphony of the Night, but with some really clever uh, new systems. I really like its soul system where, you know, when you kill enemies, you can collect their souls, which can give you different powers. It's really fun. Hmm. Um, I'm a really big fan of some of the DS ones. I was just recently playing through uh, order of Ecclesia. Um, uh, there are like three on the DS there's like two on, or maybe three on the, on the Game Boy Advance. Um, and I think there might be some others I'm forgetting about, but like there's, this started a little minor genre. Um, and then it died out and we had no real, um, you know, there was a, there was a dead zone for, um, for Metroidvanias generally that eventually got filled by the indie Metroidvania boom. Mm -hmm. And now it feels like every third thing you trip on, on steam is a Metroidvania directly inspired by this game. Um, so it's, if you do really like this style in this game, like go back and check it out. Check out some of those other games by Igarashi and, you know, maybe check out Bloodstained as well. I didn't gel with Bloodstained quite as much as I did with uh, some of these older games. Um, but, you know, Igarashi's still kicking. He's still making games like this kind of
2: nice. Yeah, it's definitely inspired me to check out some more of these. So I think I'm going to go figure out that second castle and hmm. then we'll we'll see where we go from there. Hmm.
3: Looking forward for this being here. What's making me happy for the next several episodes?
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I'm it's, definitely keeping
1: at it. I um I don't I'm, know.
2: We're we're also in a like card based roguelike uh, you know, moment right now too in games. So I've got a lot on my plate right now to to <laughs> to
1: obsess over. Nate is <laughs> feasting.
2: <laughs> Love
1: to see it. <laughs> well, thank you guys for for uh for humoring me and doing this game. I'm I'm glad that we did it. I always love going back to this game this is literally like this is something like a comfort game for me whenever I get a new device that can play ps1 games which you know is not an uncommon occurrence for me I, I buy a lot of weird devices and all of them can play uh, PS1 games I always play through at least a good chunk of this and it's always fun to do and I, I had a yeah. I mean you know folks know I wasn't on the ep- the the show for the last few uh, episodes for the last couple of weeks I've been having a bit of a hard time going back to this game during that was a warm blanket. I always nice. enjoy stepping back into this. It's a real comfort game for me. So, um, thanks for giving me that outlet as well. Um, so listeners, thank you for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh you can find our show on the internet at shortgame.fm. That's the place where you can find all the links to our show on Various different podcast platforms. We've added YouTube recently. Actually, they still need to get the link to that on shortgame.fm, but we have a, a YouTube page, which has been nice. You know, there's not really a comments field on a lot of other podcast platforms, but YouTube, some folks have left us some very kind comments there. That's been yeah. nice. Um, and uh, we also uh, are, you know, obviously we're on all the other podcast platforms. If you happen to be using one that allows ratings or reviews, we love for folks to do that. It helps folks find the show. Um, also, from that page, you'll find a link to our Patreon this show is supported by the listeners and we really appreciate you listeners. We really appreciate, especially our patrons patrons make the show run. Um, and they let us do things like replace broken microphones, a things that happens way more than you might think. <laughs> um, and occasionally helps us buy games and, and keep this show moving. Of course, it also pays for the hosting. It, it's a big thing for our show. And also, all of our patrons get access to our Discord community, which is where we talk about the show. We have a channel there for chatting about Castlevania Symphony of the Night right now. But also, uh, there's a great channel for talking about game suggestions. It's where we find out about a lot of the stuff that we cover on this show. Our listeners are great at at finding what's new, and you can get those suggestions too, or give us suggestions. Uh, and um, I've been Reagan Kelly. You can find my links to socials and whatnot on ShortGame.fm.
3: Laura Nash, same.
1: And Nate Heininger, same. And thanks once again for joining us on this episode of the Short Game.